Hello and welcome to Criticism is Dead, a weekly culture podcast about what we're watching and what it all means, if it means anything at all. I am Penny Keskindu, a producer and writer. I'm Jenny Jijang, a culture writer and critic. This week we're discussing Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, and Triangle of Sadness, two films that beat us over the head with cynicism about societal woes. Beat me over the head more, I need to be lobotomized and put into a coma for a very long time. I've, Is that I've your had uh, enough. 2023 mood? I've had enough of society. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Jenny? How was your break? I'm good. I'm good. Yes, this is our um, first episode in the new year, which oh my congrats God. to us all for making congrats it Congrats to us all indeed. Yeah. Happy New Year, by the <laughs> way, Happy babes. Happy New Year. Yeah. yeah. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. I hope everyone had a nice little break if you got to enjoy a nice little yeah. break. Um, yeah. I'm okay. Otherwise, just like yeah. uh, usual New Year sort of thoughts and reflections and oh, really, yeah. whatever, whoever just like trying to get along in life. Um, but yeah. how are you? How are you, Pauline? I'm fine. Aside from like the me tamping down my New Year's ennui, which happens every mm. year, okay, and I'm trying yeah. to manage it. Relatable. I, I I had a good week. Like I had a week off of work that was lovely. Uh, went to some restaurants, saw some people, mm-hmm. uh, watched some movies in the cinema, and then consequently got COVID. So I have COVID right now, oh. and I'm fine. Um, I'm fine. I'm just I have a stuffy nose, but hopefully I get better without any long yeah. COVID symptoms. Oh my god! Um, but I'm I'm doing all right. I took Joni to her first vet visit the other day as well, so that was. Oh, uh, how is yeah. the little the little? Sweet She's dude. doing fine. She's doing all right. She was apparently very well behaved, but was very pissed off with me uh, when we got back, <laughs> which is totally fine. Uh, I understand. Yeah. Well, moving on to what we watched this week uh what did you watch this week Melon? so i got around to glass onion a knives out mystery i re-watched this uh on my home screen because i actually was lucky enough to see a screening of this in the cinema like a few weeks back um so i, I re-watched netflix. it yeah, yeah it's on netflix now it only had a week screening in the cinema i think they had to like fight for that yeah. Uh, and and you know it ended up and it was number one over the holidays understandably i think this was like a holiday favorite for a lot of families mm-hmm. this is of course uh the film written and directed by ryan johnson it is the follow-up to the very successful 2019 knives out movie um you know that film i think kind of refreshed everybody's understanding of what the murder mystery genre can be in the modern day mm-hmm. era you know aside from like hercule poirot how were your feelings about Knives Out when you first watched it? Because I think, I think that was very much like Marmite. Like, you either love it or you hate it. So I did enjoy it at the time. I, as we all know, I think um, I do like a good sort of murder mystery uh, mm-hmm. in the legacy of, like, Agatha Christie, etc. Um, so that one was a film that I thought was pretty entertaining. Um, it left me with pretty good feelings. I was sort of excited to see where ryan johnson would go with if you know he took this into a, a franchise direction which it seems like it's going in mm-hmm. uh, but yeah like nothing no no huge complaints about the original knives out yeah great film obviously great success uh netflix has mm-hmm. shelled out millions of dollars for this one and will continue to do so because i think this is like a continuing success so for this second mm-hmm. film in the franchise we uh see benoit blanc our southern beau of a detective played by daniel craig yes the now retired james bond um <laughs> <laughs> he goes off to the private island of tech millionaire Miles Braun, who's played by Edward Norton. So the purpose of this trip is 
to let loose in the throes of the pandemic. You know, this is set in May 2020, so a couple months after the pandemic started. It's also while they're there uh, to play a murder mystery game. At this private island, he is joined by his purported inner circle. That's Miles Bron. Um, his inner circle, and this includes Lionel, the chief scientist for his company, played by Leslie Odom Jr., Claire, a liberal governor, played by Catherine Hahn, Duke, a Joe Rogan-type meninist Twitch streamer, played by Dave Bautista, and Birdie, a former it girl, current problematic fashion designer. Designer, I think, is a, a loose term for her, <laughs> but that's played by Kate Hudson. And then there's also, you know, Birdie's assistant, Peg, played by Jessica Henwick, and Duke's girlfriend, Whiskey, played by Madeline Klein. They're a little bit more secondary, but they're there all the same. It would be remiss for us to not mention, of course, the character of Andy, who is you know, Miles's former partner who unsuccessfully tries to sue him because he tries to push her out of the company. And that's played by the amazing Janelle Monáe. Um, I thought she was so good in this. Yeah, I'm so glad she's like continuing down her, her acting you know, career. Yeah, me too. So mm-hmm. all-star cast, mm-hmm. all-star cameos as well. Um, yeah. There's Yo-Yo Ma, there's Serena Williams, mm-hmm. there's Ethan Hawke, there's a Zoom call with the late Stephen Sondheim and Natasha Lyonne and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Hugh Grant is the uh, very briefly seen boyfriend. Exactly, exactly. Oh, and there's um, there's also one more very fun one that I think some people have been picking up on. Joseph Gordon-Levitt apparently has appeared in every single one of Ryan Johnson's films, and here he is the voice of the hourly, like, dong on the private island. Oh, my God. I did not know that. Well, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite cameo? I feel like, I will say, in the movie theater, I feel like I was the only one that clocked that that was Yo-Yo And I don't know why, because it was a pretty older crowd, so they <laughs> should know who that was. Um, but what about you? Did you have a favorite? Uh, I think I like Serena Williams and the kind mm, of very specific snark and, like, roll yeah. my eyes uh, sort of lines yeah. over. Yeah, I agree. Sweet. So, you know, with with this film, I think the real fun really begins when we realize that the attendance of Benoit wasn't actually, in te- uh, you know, intentional. He wasn't actually invited. And then, as we mentioned, that you know, the presence of Andy... Um, which kind of throws everybody into a tizzy because she was ousted from the group. Do you like this film? Did you like it? Did you enjoy it? I'm going to have to compare it both to like my reaction to the first film as well as other films that are in a similar vein or genre right now. And I'll say that in comparison to a lot of those, it was okay (laughs) like i i think the thing is that it's it's getting a lot of rave reviews and also a few outliers in terms of um you know critics or you know public figures or writers who i follow or stuff like that and it's it's prompted a lot of strong reaction either way Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna sit like somewhere in the middle i think and say i definitely enjoyed a a lot of it it's just like a an easy holiday watch but i was also left kind of unsatisfied and i especially took issue with a lot of with the way that some things are handled in terms of developing the story and like pulling off the mm-hmm. the sort of conceptual trick that it has. Right. Um, so, but you know, overall that balances out to me being pretty, you know, it's all right. It's, it's an all right film. I've noticed that people either fall like the same as the first knives out. They either love it or they hate it mm-hmm. for the, for the glass onion crowd. Um, I know people that love it more than the first film and that 
I don't know if I'm there. I like it just as much as the first. And I think with this, I get what you mean. Like, you know, on Letterbox, I gave it like three and a half stars, but I said I had fun, which I did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not my bag. Like, I'm a drama girl. I really like serious subjects. I'm like dark. But I enjoyed it all the same. I think there's um, there's value in this kind of film, whether it's like an upper mid-tier type of film, which doesn't hit or fire off on all cylinders, but there's a chemistry that works, there's a director that understands the, the assignment and also doesn't take it too seriously. I think a lot of the critical feedback being favorable is because everybody loves Ryan Johnson. Like, yes, he's that's just a guy's an, guy. It's, you know? it's kind of an undeniable, like... It's an elephant in the room almost. He's very active yeah. on Twitter. He's like yeah. very active and engaging with fans as well as like critics, writers, journalists, um, yeah. his peers. And so that has made him kind of a beloved figure and even one that's like, you know, within reach for a lot of people who are raving about yeah. this film almost. So yeah. it, it kind of endears them. Uh, you know, it's it's very endearing, and it also, yeah. I think, colors some of the response, I think. I don't want to be too accusatory. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I, w- I would say there's a little bit of coddling going on. It's totally fine. Like, I think in this business, likable directors are, are very rare, mm-hmm. and I think he is very personable, or genuinely, mm-hmm. like, on a, on a person-to-person basis, just from people that I've talked to about it. You know, at the screening, he was at the panel lovely guy like genuinely just like you can tell that he's pretty smart really well-meaning um and honestly like loves what he does and i think that's the thing that people respond to the most and with this film the reason why i liked it is because he's fucking having fun and he's clearly like having loads of fun with his cast this car the cast is having fun with him like edward norton you know some of the costume stuff and the ideas and like with the with the magnolia shout out for example with his costume yeah that was like his idea because everybody's like getting stuck in um so i think that people are definitely like rewarding that and that's just something that like you mentioned we have to mention the elephant in the room um i want to get a little bit into how this is different you know like with knives out the first film it was more about like it was a smaller it was more contained it was in one house, essentially, one family, and it was about old money and what that does to people. And I think with Glass Onion, it's definitely larger, more bombastic, and it's a little bit more about new money. It's about new tech money. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about this approach? Do you think it's like it makes sense or no? Well, I guess it makes sense as a new sort of territory to explore for Ryan Johnson if he's continuing yeah. this thing of like, you know, ostensibly sort of eat the rich aesthetics and posture in these films yeah you know this is not even so much a a film that has that much to say about class really because yeah Yeah. even though it is being praised as such because honestly like the they are fabulously wealthy people who are depicted in this but also it's more just that they're public figures of sort like they're celebrities uh, almost yeah or politicians or businessmen yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's it's more about that than the sheer having of money it's more about how they like exchange promises and secrets in return for you know lifting each other up uh in this sort of corrupt world and yes i guess that's how like wealth works in a sense but also it's it's not really what that is about like the the closest maybe you can come to saying like oh this is a critique of 
of million billionaires is like how ridiculous the Miles character is. And a lot of people saw yeah. that as like a, a shot at Elon Musk. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like, sure, but I, I don't really, the commentary on class, if there is any, it doesn't really strike me as like a, a major part of this film or one even worth like praising or, I agree. you know, condemning. Like it's, it's just, it's not really in the equation at all to me. Yeah. 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 It's about currency, but it's not necessarily about financial currency. It's about how that is then translated into different forms of currency for each person, depending mm-hmm. on what world they're in, you know, like with politics, it's about getting a bill passed for, um, the scientists. It's about the growth of scientific development for obviously the Twitch streamer. It's just more views, um, and so on and so forth. So it's like, it's, it's like, how do we use that currency exchange, uh, to suit our own needs of whatever forward facing fame that we have to kind of continue on power, which is mm-hmm. genuinely what it's about. Um, I totally agree. So in this in this film, halfway through it, a reveal kind of resets the tone of everything previously that we've been watching up until that point, and then we kind of rewatch the first half of the film anew mm-hmm. uh, with this with this newfound information. How did you feel about that? I actually did like that twist. Yeah, you know, I was genuinely surprised. I didn't expect, um, yeah. you know, this to happen for the character in question to have not been the person that they were pretending to be i I was genuinely surprised Mm -hmm. the stuff that came afterward that left me a little bit baffled like the not this twist but the next twist the like um close to the end of the film Mm. and that is sort of where it started to lose me especially but we can we can get into that later or whatever well i i'd I'd rather hear it now actually so if you haven't watched the film please switch off um switch off for the next 30 seconds okay so it's revealed like the the sort of final twist at the end is like the whodunit of it right um yeah which is like that's always a iconic pivotal moment in these whodunits um and it turns out you know it's exactly who you would have expected who who did it right and uh, maybe some of the ways he did it would maybe you wouldn't have guessed but they otherwise are like quite predictable and you know that it is very just as benoit blanc himself says he says it's dumb it and someone else like it's so dumb it's like genius and it's like no it's just plain dumb and yeah, 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 I yeah. appreciate the meta-ness of that, like his acknowledgement, Ryan Johnson's acknowledgement through this protagonist that that is just, it's a dumbly constructed uh, whodunit. But I yeah. think in a sense, like that, that is what people are, some people are applauding. I mm. kind of think it's like, if it's so dumb, which it, it is, and, and you want to acknowledge it as such, which it's fine. But yeah. in the end, you still created kind of a dumb whodunit. And I don't right. like. Why did I expect something more? I expected something more, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like, like pointing out pointing out the dumbness doesn't make you smart. Yeah. Yeah. So then it's like, so then what was it all for? Like, why why did I watch this with this sort of uh, you know Got hope and ex- anticipation for something smarter or like kind of more revelatory or or something to, yeah. to happen? And I guess maybe that's the point, but that doesn't. That just doesn't satisfy me as like a an excuse. Right, right. Yeah, I mean that final act basically um, annoyed me. Like on first watch, I was very tired <laughs> by that point, where I was just like, just get it over with. Like you know where she's smashing all the sculptures. 
I was just like, I don't get the point of this. Like, it's it's very boring to me. And then on second watch, I I understood like the the slow build of it. I just didn't appreciate how slow it was. But I get what you mean about that. I think ultimately this was obviously some kind of, I guess, message from Ryan Johnson just about that type of person, that type of tech billionaire, and just the way that people receive extremely successful people in general Mm -hmm. where they just assume that they're really smart and i guess that was a point he was trying to make i like the point he was trying to make i agree with the point he's trying to make i do think that most billionaires are probably fucking idiots that got really lucky (laughs) um especially someone like elon musk who was you know grandfathered into it but in the in in the context of like the murder mystery i agree i i do always want a little bit more from my antagonist um i do want them to be smart so that was a bit of a letdown. I totally agree. Um, did you have a favorite character? Yeah, I mean, I think all the characters are are pretty funny. I think the cast like does well. You know, they're they're sort of a lot of these people are top tier actors, so they yeah. they carried it off with like a plum. Yeah, there there are things I like about several of the characters. Like there is Catherine Hahn is this like hypocritical governor. There is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dave Batista, and he's like sort of in the news now because people are really yeah. surprised by his performance and how he's like, you know, he's one of those professional, you know, wrestlers turned actors like The Rock or, uh, or John Cena, but he is, people are saying at least like he's somehow much better than at least The Rock. He takes himself seriously as an actor. Um, I thought his character was pretty funny and I like actually what they did with him in, spoiler alert, he gets offed first at this retreat and when we find out like why and how and like the motivation behind that i thought some of that was pretty clever so you know i'll give i'll give them that um so yeah yeah, there there are things that i i kind of like about each character um of course like janelle janelle monet's character is the the heart of this movie and she's given a lot to work with here for sure. I mean, huge shout out to Dave Bautista. I think the real heads know him, him as an actor from Blade Runner 2049, mm. which was the first time we were like, holy shit, is that Dave Bautista? I'm really happy <laughs> for him. I think this is, uh, this is like a great progression and a great character, honestly. Um, yeah, I, I think Janelle is probably my favorite. Again, like you mentioned, she's given a lot to work with. Spoiler alert. She's playing two different people, mm-hmm. um, as, as far as we know, like yeah. that she's a person playing another person. Um, but I do love Kate Hudson and it was really fun mm. to kind of see her in this like zany role, uh, where she's just like a dumb person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, Tony Collette played a version of her in the first film, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're both, they both like had a load of fun. Catherine Hahn felt like she was doing too much, which is wild because I love her, <laughs> but she was like genuinely like very clearly very stressed out as her character was, but like taking it up a notch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I mean, shout out to her. I think, I think she's one of our greatest actors of all time, but that was really funny to witness. You know, I just, I just want to give it up for Daniel Craig's wardrobe in this. Uh, Benoit Blanc, I think, has gotten a load, uh, additional more fans because of, uh, the one piece that he wears when he's, when he swims. But, you know, our southern bow just at it again. Gorgeous. Daniel Craig having loads of fun. Yeah, you can tell he really enjoys this, which is, you know, yeah. especially stark contrast to how much he hated James Bond as, as a character yeah, in a role yeah. and, and like a 15 year contract. 
Um, yeah. So it is like, it's nice to see him get to just turn up the, the sort of ridiculous charm in this. So overall, you know, I had fun. I liked it. I think it's a good film. It's like a deeply unserious film. One of my friends, Thomas, he compared this to like a Scooby-Doo movie. And I highly agree. I think you should apply mm, that kind of approach that's a great uh, analogy. to this. <laughs> So what did you watch this week, Jenny? I watched the satirical black comedy Triangle of Sadness, which is mm. a film by the Swedish filmmaker uh, Robin Oslin. The king. Uh, this came out last fall, I think, actually had its international release last fall. I'm just now catching up. Uh, so to give a brief rundown of this movie, it's split into three acts, like exactly <laughs> labeled as such. Yeah. Um, the first one introduces this couple made up of... Carl, who is played by Harris Dickinson. Walthamstow's finest, big up. <laughs> uh, so he plays Carl, who is a sort of has-been male model, dating the more financially successful influencer Yaya, played by Carl B. Dean, who tragically died before this film's international release. Um, she was, I think, only in her 30s, so quite young. This would have been probably her big breakout role, so it's it's yeah, pretty it's tragic. A, rest um, in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. Uh, and then the second act is set on a luxury super yacht cruise with extremely wealthy passengers. Um, among them are Yaya and Carl, who are probably actually not really that wealthy, but they got free tickets in exchange for Yaya promoting this cruise on social media, like an influencer. Um, also, in addition to the passengers, are a very drunk ship captain, uh, played by Woody Harrelson. Um, there's a head stewardess who's, like, stressed trying to keep everything in control. There are the more, like, guest-facing white crew members, and yeah. then all these sort of lower status, majority like uh, Filipino or, you know, immigrant workers who actually keep the yacht running with like cleaning, you know, engine rooms, stuff like that. There is a disaster that happens in this act and it yeah. keeps escalating. Um, but what you have to know is that in Act 3, basically we have the survivors of that disaster, uh, which is a shipwreck ultimately. And these survivors find themselves deserted on an island. Among them... Abigail, played by Dolly de Leon, she is mm -hmm. a toilet cleaner on the yacht, but now on this island, she suddenly finds herself the most valuable member of the entire group because she's the only one of them with anything remotely resembling survival skills. And yes. so she quickly establishes a new hierarchy, according to this. Yes. Um, so that's <laughs> a rundown. Well, I'll start off by asking you, Helen, what did you think of this film? I fucking loved it because I love Ruben Oslin. If you know anything about this guy's film, you know that this is exactly the type of film that he would make. <laughs> um, I highly recommend watching Force Majeure mm. and also The Square, if you can find a way to watch that. I think they're around somewhere. But he is a very cynical but also very goofy filmmaker, mm. and this is exactly what that film is. So I had a fucking great time. What about you? Yeah, me too. And I had... Zero expectations. I actually, I've never watched any of um, Austin's other work. Mm, I didn't even oh, really know what this film was about, to be honest. I hadn't, like, read that many spoilers beforehand. Yeah. Um, and also, I was a little bit wary, I think, because this is, it's been grouped with, like, you know, that particular eat the rich kind of genre that is, mm -hmm. as we said before, it's very prominent these days. Um, yeah. Especially there are a lot of comparisons to The Menu, I think, which came out uh, around the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can see, like, how, you know, maybe you might get that 
genre deducement here. Like, there is this obvious disparity between the passengers and those who have to serve them. There is this mm-hmm. very on-the-nose, long, drunken debate between the communist yacht captain and the <laughs> one of the passengers, a capitalist Russian oligarch, played yeah. by Zlako Burek. Um, and then also when you get on the island, how the power dynamics sort of flip where quote unquote wealth or whatever determines like social status in the real mm-hmm. world, it, it no longer matters on this island. It's, it's actually yeah. the survival skills or the real worth you bring that determines your value. Yeah. Um, yeah. but whereas like I find myself sometimes annoyed at other movies that are grouped in that kind of genre, sometimes because they're just like, they think they're saying something they're not or they're like, yeah. Or they're just boring about it, or they are really just using that kind of stance and language as a shortcut for uh, genuine entertainment value or yeah. provocation. I I thought this one was really fun, and yeah, yeah, especially the third act. I'm saying I'll, I'll I oh my God, love yeah. the third act. Um, the second yeah. act was so much like it was a lot. The second act was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel nauseous at any point? <laughs> I think once like. <laughs> the the diarrhea laden toilet water started yeah. sleeping out of uh, you know sleeping out everywhere that that's where I that like started to like, oh my yeah. god I mean huge trigger warning if you if you're the type of person that I have been for a lot of my life actually that when they see other people throwing up they want to throw up oh uh, yeah please do not watch there's this. a lot of this. do not watch the second act just like, like look just a, you can forward. sort of you can tell when it's coming so just you know yeah duck your head and and look away yeah. <laughs> you'll miss like some moments of chaos but it's okay yeah when you see the first guy throwing up just like hit that fast forward and do not stop for like half an hour um yes. <laughs> it's, it's it's a lot i was luckily i was i was fine um and it was mostly just funny to me yeah. um as someone that was raised on jackass i was just like this is great <laughs> like i'm having i'm having a hilarious time mm-hmm. um but i get what you mean about this film i think there's um you know, th- there's a lot of times where, the, where where people try to do the subtext as a text type thing with this, and this is like the text it's right comes there. first. Yeah. yeah, there's no subtext. The subtext is actually just the performances, which are so good, and the writing, which is hilarious. Yeah. And, and that just kind of carries it. Yeah, you know? and I think what's interesting is that this film has been kind of polarizing, I think, among critics. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like, I checked, yeah. and it was kind of actually shocked a little bit at the number of pans that this has gotten from like well-respected publications, well-respected critics, many of whom I, I read and like read regularly. And I was just like, what the hell? Um, a lot of them, like, I think were turned off by the bluntness of the, you know, quote unquote class consciousness, but actually like the, the class stuff, it is very blunt. It is, it's very in your face, but it almost feels like, um, it's a troll to me in a way, because it's really about the, absurdity and the and the mayhem and what comes through from the action exactly i thought that yeah. really worked i totally agree like and that, that's the thing is the thing that surprised me about the critical feedback is that all these other critics have also seen his other films so they know what he's about and they know that he fucking trolls they all know that like with the square it does something similar it's very very similar especially even like structurally speaking mm-hmm. it's about the art world which is like a whole other thing mm-hmm. And he does the the same, like, there's not a likable character in there, everyone's fucking annoying, they, a lot of people love the square, they hated this, don't understand it, don't get it, yeah, really weird. Yeah, and also, like, I would, I would even say, like, this is 
on the surface level, it appears to obviously be about like class differences. But really what I found most um, interesting sort of thematically or like message wise about it is what it has to say about gender, which is kind of the more subtle, but not very subtle, but like in comparison to like the communist versus capitalist diatribes, like it's a lot more subtle. Like you get the emasculation of the male survivors, especially Carl. You see what happens in this matriarchy. I thought that was really funny and like really good and really sort of refreshing in a way to see what yeah. happens in this sort of flipped dynamic scenario yeah totally and it, it you know it starts off that way in the first chapter where yes. you see his emasculation yeah and uh, what i love is this approach to uh the social media influencer girlfriend and the boyfriend that's just arm candy that supports her, yeah, and, edits yeah. her and like edits her photos for her mm-hmm. i've been fascinated by that guy for so long that i'm i'm glad that someone finally like has figured out a way to like depict it on screen yeah well. like it and has it a, crushed it I'm, that's exactly right like it takes a certain sort of security in your own you know sense of self and place and and masculinity i guess for that influencer boyfriend or blogger boyfriend to to you know continue doing his thing and here you see the case where it's like he very clearly does not have that security or of of self um yeah yeah like he is throughout the film carl is just like picking at stuff and like whining about stuff and like hiding it under this mask of like well, you know, I I just don't want to fall into gender roles, or like, well, you know, I don't right, want to right, be right. an yeah. I don't want to be a Karen, but it's just like yeah. really inappropriate yeah. and and yeah. <laughs> um or like it's, just, it's hilarious. It's yeah. it's so funny and like um the actor Harris Dickinson and yes the actor Harris Dix- Dickinson he like does this like whiny prick very well. I mean, he's British, you know, like yes. it's just what they're like, you know, it's, it, it's so funny that it's, I turned to my husband and I was like, he's such a fucking brick. <laughs> like when he complains about the guy and then he's like, so like pearl clutching about the guy getting yeah. fired. I was like, you're a fucking, of course, of course. Like you want to be the dickhead, but you don't want to be the dickhead at yes. the same time. Like yes. make up your mind. That was very good. Um, You know, great writing, great, great, <laughs> great portrayal. Um, yes. In terms of performances, Dolly De Leon who plays abigail um the former toilet cleaner she is amazing so good so good that that scene where they're sharing out the octopus Mm -hmm. i was like this woman needs an award right now she's incredible and like even throughout it she does such a an amazing job of just gripping this character like firmly in her grasp Mm -hmm. and not letting her go and you know that's obviously like some sense of it is direction and like being told to be that way but she does an amazing job we've never seen i've never seen her before so it was really fun she has a very firm sense of her character yeah and she um yeah apparently i read an interview with her i i think maybe with polygon but she she basically created this whole backstory for her character, which, you know, some actors mm. do. Um, but yeah, she created this yeah. whole story for her and one that maybe helps. I was looking basically for um, commentary or analyses of, of the ending. And that is sort of where this search right. result popped up and how potentially yeah. her her sense of her character's story could inform how you interpret the ending. Um, so I thought yeah. she was, the speaking of the ending, like, Wow, I thought especially her yeah. performance in in her final scene, like that was that was amazing. Just like the yeah, 
just everything that the way she carried her body her face her expressions just just everything she transformed she looked like an animal you know what i mean like it was really fascinating how she went from this like beautiful middle-aged filipino woman to just someone that looks so primal yes um and obviously it helps that you have a rock over your Mm -hmm. in your hands um no, she's she's so good. And I'm glad that there was the backstory because even in the moments where the interaction and like the dialogue with Carl felt a little bit cold, she made it feel affectionate mm-hmm. and warm and like you understood what was going on and it felt very transactional but at the same time like what was wrong with that? Like it's fine and she she did all of that. She's the one that you're like, yeah, what's wrong with this? Like of course, like of course she wants him next to her. Like it would yeah, it's a fantastic Yeah, and they're just like these these small lines um in delivery, you know, in, in scenes like that. And also like when she's in the end, again, when she's with Yaya and they discover the big secret on the island that could, you know, spell out the, the end of their little their little expedition. Um yeah. You know, Yaya is exciting going like, you know, you you must be so happy to be able to get back to your kids and you know, there's just this one line very briefly, it's like Abigail says, I don't have any kids. Um, yeah. And that just says... That just tells you everything um, yeah, you need to know. Yeah, so much. That sells, says so much and so little. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I really liked a lot of this movie, especially the third act, as I said. Circling yeah. back to, like, the critical reception, which... Yeah. I, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Except. Except. <laughs> I'm just like, I continue to be kind of baffled by how negative some of the reaction to mm-hmm. this is. Um, yeah. Like, the, the New York Times review by A.O. Scott, it called it a very bad movie. That's a direct quote. Okay. And again, like, sure, everyone can think what they want, but it's just like comparing reaction to this versus reaction to some other films in this adjacent, you know, similar kind of genre. Yeah. Um. Yeah example glass onion which has like mostly stellar rave reviews and then this which is like much more polarizing um if you look at the all the different publications yeah i think like if you rave about glass onion and the things that it does or you know purports to be doing i just don't understand how you could not appreciate what this film is doing at the same time you know I, I just want to make like a larger observation sure. about just critical receptions internationally. Oh, yeah. So I found that when American audiences love a film, European audiences don't. Oh, but that is often European, the case, yeah. When European audiences love a film, for some reason, it doesn't have that much of like a, you know, just overall positive reception. Yeah. Um, Japanese in a, in films the too, like um, yeah, yeah. What was it was it Drive My Car? We were yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Drive My Car, yeah. And it's just it's fascinating to me because like Ruben Oslin has he's so popular with the French. He's so popular with the French. Like every time he he has a film at Cannes, it probably gets like some kind of award, some kind of like Palm Door situation. And this obviously did. Like this won an award at Cannes and. I do wonder what that's about, and I don't know whether it's because like European audiences are so familiar with the concept of class, like to the point where it is so obvious to them, but it's hidden so well. So when they come across something like this that does make it more obvious and does it comedically, there's some kind of like relief 
in that laughter for a lot of European audiences because someone's finally said the thing, they finally depicted the thing, and we can all joke and laugh about it and go about our days. Whereas in America, class isn't so much the issue, it's more about money, and it's everywhere all the time, and we see it all the time. So maybe there's a bit of fatigue when stuff like this happens, when films like this come out. And it's coming out around the same time that White Lotus is coming out and Glass Onion's coming out. And so everybody's like feeling really tired by it and wants to say something new or different or have a different feeling to it or is left by cold by it. So I don't know if that's like it. And I don't know if I'm like getting somewhere with this, but it's just something that I really noticed. I don't get it. I don't get why they didn't like this film. I actually think that like the way that the comedy is inserted in the lines of dialogue, in the characters and how they're developed it's very, very good. So I don't understand why it didn't hit for people. Like, they'll watch like a Noah Baumbach film, which is just as subtle in its like line delivery and line dialogue about like the different characters and how annoying they are, but they won't respond to this. I'm just, yeah, I'm as confused as you are, Jenny. I <laughs> don't get it. I don't get it. I think it might be an international, like a, like a thing. I've got no idea. Yeah. Well, I'm know. glad. I'm actually like very, very glad to have learned at least that, that you like this film as much as I do since we, yeah. we watched it separately and I was like, hmm, what is Pelling going to think? I think he's just going to like it, but yeah, but who knows? No, I mean, I've, I've honestly like, I don't think there's been a Ruben Austin film that I've watched that I didn't like. So I knew I was going to like it. Mm -hmm. I was just, I was, there was a little bit of me that was worried like, oh no, did he take it too far with the trolling? And now it's not funny anymore. Um, no. <laughs> no it's still funny like even in the second act which i know is like the slowest one and like i talked when i was talking about it with my husband we both agreed it was our least favorite act but yeah that scene with woody harrelson and the russian oligarch guy just <laughs> swapping quotes from yeah from, from fame like i was and, yeah cracking up that shit was so fucking funny yeah like what there's nothing wrong with this film it's so much fun please watch it <laughs> <laughs> like it's six bucks on amazon i had such a fun time there's nothing more that i need to say so for culture notes this week uh we are going to briefly talk a little bit about this new film that's come out that's gotten everybody including all my fellow gays into a fucking tizzy and that is megan uh this is a film that I guess is a horror comedy. That's what I've seen it mm. referred that way, but it's directed by Jared Johnston. Don't know, not familiar with his work. Um, this is just giving him a shout out for a huge success because apparently this is doing numbers at the box office, uh, but it was intended to be that way. So Jenny, do you want to talk a little bit about the marketing for this film? Well, I think it, it started when... Um there was this clip released of this little, like, I guess a murder doll, a little, little yeah. old fashioned little gal, um, yeah. looking like a female Chucky kind of, um, dancing. And yeah. it truly went viral in a way that I don't know, like even I, w I was kind of surprised by too. Like people loved her. Uh, yeah. people wrote odes to her. People were like, I'm definitely going to see this movie. And, um, yeah. it especially became kind of like a, a thing embraced by like gay Twitter, yeah. like gay, you know, whatever pop culture parts of social media. It was yeah. a very camp. And I think that, that campness is like propelling audiences to the theater and people are actually going to see this. I know several people have seen this. Yeah, um, already. And yeah. like giving it four or five stars and had such a fun <laughs> time in the movie theater. Apparently it was like a raucous time. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, this, this film, so I think TLDR, in terms of what this film is about, a young girl, I guess, is on her iPad, and while she's on her iPad and told to get off the screen, her parents, you know, in the car, telling her to get off the screen, end up in a car crash, both of her parents die, and she ends up going to live with her aunt, played by um, Alison Williams, and her aunt is a scientist or techno or inventor of some kind uh, that creates artificial intelligence like robots and stuff and she invents this doll to keep her company because she kind of doesn't know what to do with this newfound guardianship and the point of the doll is that she protects the kid that she's with um from emotional and physical harm and um yeah, so this, this is Megan. That's Megan. Megan's the doll, and she is like a yassified Chucky doll, I guess. <laughs> um, she obviously takes it too far, because this is a horror, um, <laughs> and then it, everything gets out of hand, and then people start dying, and she's the one doing the murdering. So I just want to give a shout-out to the marketing team on this, because they clearly knew what they had on their hands. They understood that this was very camp. They understood that the gays would love this shit. They, I think they probably uh, saw what happened with like Cats, the film mm. and we're like yeah i think we need to lean more into this like silly goofy mood and uh it has worked out for them so i don't know it's just funny observing it i think one thing that cracked me up was someone tweeted that this would probably have more like gay community queer support than the film bros which is about <laughs> you know it's a rom-com about two yeah. gay men it's billy eichner's it was supposed to be kind of like a watershed moment in in his you know words for a yeah. for gay representation and uh, yeah and I think, like, the problem with that is that he was too earnest about his intentions with that film. Obviously, everybody, you know, trolled him for that, and it did not work out in his favor. I did watch Bros the other day, by the way. Didn't have fun. And it's just funny that someone said that, and it has, um, yeah, it has predictably been more successful than Bros. So um, I just want to give a shout out to the community <laughs> for for being um, the dumb girls that we really are that love the silly, goofy stuff. I agree. Um, that being said, will you watch this film? Um, like either in the movies or the VOD end of it, or if it ever streams, will you, know, you watch it? You know, I'm not like the biggest horror person. Yeah, I yeah, think I get that. It, it's probably not a film that I would watch, to be honest. But if I did yeah. watch it, it. If someone were to watch, I mean, the, I think the thing to do is definitely to see it in theaters because yeah. it, from what yeah. it sounds like, people are having a fucking great time in, in crowds yeah. of people just like laughing, reacting. It's that yeah. kind of movie. So yeah. I don't know if I'm ever personally going to see it, but, you know, yeah. maybe in a theater is, is where you should go. <laughs> Yes, I mean I have COVID, so I'm out of commission for the next like two weeks. So oh, I'm yeah, not going to be yeah. able to see it when it when the when the theaters are most packed. A little bit sad about that. Would love to have seen and like rallied some friends around to go see it together. Um, it's a pass from me for watching it on streaming. I probably won't watch it at home. Um, uh, but I'm happy for everybody that's having loads of fun with this. Uh, sometimes this is this is the part of cinema that we love. You know, just the dumb shit. Um, anyway, that's it from us this week thank you so much for listening to our first episode of 2023 we are approaching 100 episodes in the next coming months so we will give you guys a heads up when that happens and you can send us some extra love in the <laughs> meantime if you're watching anything that you think we should check out please let us know at criticismisdead at gmail.com you can at us or dm us at Criticism is Dead on Twitter and Instagram for extended show notes, including links to everything that we've been talking about and more. 
please subscribe to our letter newsletter criticismisdead.substack.com as always thank you so much for listening please rate and review us on apple Podcasts. maybe tell a friend about us tell us that we're great give us the five stars thank you so much we will see you all next week bye Criticism is Dead is produced by Pellin Keskin Lu and Jenny Tuchon. Our music is by Rika. Our artwork and design are by Sarah Macias and Andrew Lu.